On today's episode of the podcast, we talk about sleep, which seems to be one of the only things I'm able to fully talk about right now. But we venture into the area of independence. And I ask a really big question, or I state a big statement that's really hard for me to do. Speaking the words, I need help. I know I'm not the only one who has a hard time asking for help and receiving help in a big way. And I talk about how that deeply weaves into our longing for community and that proverbial village that we all want to create. How can we actually manifest a life where we are more interwoven and connected? And does it begin by asking the question, please help me? I don't know. Sometimes in life, skepticism can serve you well. It can save you money, keep you from wasting a day at a timeshare presentation, and help you avoid spreading gossip. To be honest, when I am faced with a new scenario, I usually tend to be a skeptic until something proves me wrong. And if you're like me, you can probably spot a too-good-to-be-true health hack from a mile away and read labels like it's your job. That's where ritual comes in. They know that every good skeptic deserves a multivitamin that exceeds your standards. Their clinically backed Essential for Women 18 Plus multivitamin has high quality, traceable key ingredients in clean bioavailable forms. Take two delayed release capsules per day that optimize your body's absorption and you'll get nine key nutrients. Rituals Essential for Women is USP verified, so you know you can trust what you're putting in your body. Only about 1% of supplement brands on the market have the USP verified mark, which shows the product contains the ingredients actually listed on the label. On top of that, Ritual multivitamins are vegan, non-GMO project verified, gluten and major allergen free, certified B Corp and made traceable. I take my vitamins every morning with breakfast. It's part of my daily ritual and I feel so good doing it. No more shady business. Rituals Essential for Women 18 Plus is a multivitamin you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month at ritual.com slash yoga girl. Start Ritual or add Essential for Women 18 Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash yoga girl for 25% off. Let's dive in. Hello, everyone. Hello, hello, dear friends, my village, my people. Hi. (laughs) Hi. That was like a pitiful little hi. Welcome to a brand new episode of the show. And welcome to an episode that I have literally sat down to record not once, twice, three times, no, four times today that I sit down to record this show and thought I could kind of piece together an episode and it would somehow work. (laughs) I sat down this morning, put the baby to bed. The baby now sleeps in bed. Uh, So I thought I've had a couple of days of just big changes happening here at the house where instead of bouncing on a Pilates ball all day with the baby strapped in a sling or in a carrier, I've put a lot of big work into just getting him to sleep in a dark, quiet room, which has worked really well for three days. So today, Dennis was away. He's working. Dennis is roasting coffee now, which is just a really cool, amazing thing. And he's gone from, you know, being home and also being unemployed for a really long time, not just job hunting and being very, very, yeah, very just family oriented. Yeah, he's been home for a long time. 
And now over the past couple of weeks, he's just more and more away and more out of the house and lots of projects and things to get done. And he had a full day away today and I have this podcast to record. And foolishly, I was like, I'm fine. Like you can totally go. No problem. Like you don't have to rush back at a certain time. Just like have a full, regular, normal working day. I'm so glad he's working. He's so glad he's working. Like everyone's, it's been, it's been rough. We haven't really talked about it on the podcast. He hasn't been on the podcast for a long time, I think because of how rough it's been. And he hasn't really been wanting to share. But yeah, so he's away and I'm like, this baby sleeps in bed now. Like life is great. I'm just going to put the baby down and then I'll record the podcast and the baby will sleep for an hour or two. Or if the baby wakes up halfway, I'll just finish in the next nap. <laughs> like, I don't know what, what I was thinking, but this day was just, this day has been a shit show. Okay. <laughs> so this morning... I started off all positive and perky and excited. I worked out this morning feeling really good. Everything, I'm just like seeing the day ahead. Like I'm going to be like a working mom now. <laughs> working mom. I'm using just little air quotes that you can't see. I'm just going to put my baby to sleep. I'll get to go have a dip. I'm going to make myself like a nice breakfast while the baby sleeps. And then I'm going to record this amazing podcast and send it off. And maybe I'll like dig into my inbox or maybe I'll make some tinctures or I'm going to get to this long list of things I want to do that I haven't been able to do because I've been living on a Pilates ball. <laughs> and uh, I put the baby to bed. Things went great. Went down to record. I recorded 11 minutes of this show in the morning, right? This was this morning. And I'm very energized. You know, you know the feeling after you've just had a workout, like how energized you are? Like that, that was the version of me that you had for 11 minutes. And then the baby woke up like right away, just like sh not even a half nap, just like crap. So I pause, I go up thinking, I'm just gonna nurse him a little bit. I'm gonna, you know, put him back to bed. It's all, all gonna be fine. And then I'll keep recording. Two hours later, I get back to my recording and I'm no longer feeling perky post-workout. I'm now feeling like, you know, kind of hungry and didn't get to go, you know, do the thing I wanted to do and not really feeling that positive anymore. But I continued the podcast as if I just left off for like 10 minutes. And then next step comes, I'm putting him down. I'm like, okay, I'm going to finish the podcast now. I recorded two 10-minute sections <laughs> I'm just going to piece together this story that I'm telling. A, like four times of doing that, four broken naps, four times of this baby not sleeping. I just had to give up. Like it's not happening. So I surrender to the fact that this thing with the napping alone, it's not happening today. He literally will only sleep with a boob in his mouth. So I go into my little cocoon. I close the drapes. I put him on the boob trying to give him a solid like real nap because I know if he doesn't have any good naps in the day our night is going to be terrible and then I realize oh holy shit it's three o'clock Leia's supposed to come with the bus I we normally meet her by the road like she's never walked from the bus dropping her off home by herself normally Dennis is home for this he's not home and I just realized like I went from being so casual telling him like go have a great working day to kind of freaking out like I have to get Leia, but I'm stuck with this baby on the boob in a dark room. Uh, yeah, I, I I don't know what to what to do. <laughs> Somehow he like manages to talk to her 
she we got we got her like a little GPS watch thing. This bus thing, I've been sharing it a little bit on Instagram. It's been a, a shit show trying to get Leia to figure out on her own how to take the bus to and from school. But I managed to leave the baby and I managed to meet Leia like right in time. And everything is fine. And then I go, hey, how about you watch a little movie? Mama's going to finish her little podcast. I only need to do like 10 more minutes of this pieced together podcast. And I go and I hit record and I'm like, I know this podcast sucks by now. It's four versions of Rachel recording 10 minutes at a time in between broken crap naps. I don't know what I'm talking about anymore. I've lost my train of thought four times. <laughs> it's just such, it's just so bad. It's just terrible. But I sit down to finish and I'm like, I can do it. I am mother. I am queen. I am goddess. I can do podcast alone. <laughs> I can manage life without my husband for one day. And then he wakes up again and I just scrapped the whole thing. I just knew like this is over. By now it's 5 p.m. I have no idea when Dennis is coming home. Like Leia needs to have dinner. Baby's cranky again. He needs to be put to bed. It's just, it's been, it's been a day. Okay. It's been a day. I managed to just, he was 45 minutes sleeping on my boob before I just kind of, okay, I have to, I have to leave this dark room where I've been lying all day trying to get something else done. Dennis finally just came home. It's now six o'clock as I'm sitting here and I'm like, here's a baby. You're going to have to figure out dinner, lay up baby, because I'm recording the podcast and I'm doing it from scratch because because nothing is working for me today. And anyway, that's my current status update. Hi, how are you? Hi, hello. <laughs> Do scents evoke memories and transport you back to being on the beach during your favorite vacation? I know they do for me. Osea's Andaria Algae Body Oil smells like summer or the beach in Aruba, bottled with all natural uplifting notes of mango, mandarin, grapefruit, lime, and cypress. But it's not just about the elevated scent. This body oil is clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity and deeply moisturize, leaving skin silky and soft. It delivers that coveted post-vacation glow, like you just returned from a tropical getaway. And right now, you can get 10% off your first order with our code YOGA at OseaMalibu.com. I love Osea's Andaria Algae Body Oil. I use it every single day and I have for so many years. It makes me feel silky smooth and just glowing. This body oil is rich but never greasy and clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity. It visibly firms your skin, leaving you more sculpted and toned. No wonder I feel so great after using it. But it gets even better. With Osea, you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Osea's products are clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified. They are a women-founded company that has been making seaweed-infused skincare for over 28 years. So bring on summer. Get healthy, glowing skin for summer with clean vegan skin and body care at Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code YOGA at OseaMalibu.com. You'll get free samples with every order and free shipping on orders over $60. Head to OseaMalibu.com and use the code YOGA for 10% off. And you know, the version, the 10-minute version of the podcast that I recorded in the morning was elated. Like I was just so excited to share this big story about how I have figured out sleep for this baby. <laughs> I'm just 
laughing at myself right now because I'm delusional. I'm clearly delusional. How did I think that all of a sudden life was going to be easy? Like all of a sudden I've figured out this baby and we've figured out sleep and now I'm just back to, I don't know, back to what? Like what am I possibly going back to? I, I don't know. I kind of want to go back and listen to those 10 minutes just of how excited I was to talk to you about a bunch of stuff. And now it's like six o'clock and I'm a dead person. I'm just wondering, where is the wine? Can someone hand me an ice cream? Also, like, I'm really hungry. I just I just want dinner. <laughs> but this is life, right? This is this is life. I, uh, I so oscillate between this massive gratitude, massive love, just love, love as a feeling, love as this embodied knowing where I am holding this tiny baby and he is so, he's so perfect. He's so beautiful. He's so, I could cry just thinking about his little squishy face and he's literally right outside this door and he's been in my arms all day everything aches. I'm so tired. And I love him so much. I don't want to leave him. Like, what is this weird biology? Like, what is this wiring? <laughs> what is this thing about motherhood, about parenthood, where just, it really, truly doesn't matter how hard things get. You still just want to like eat them because you love them so much. Like I've had that urge. I just want to like bite into his thigh a little bit, just devour him. Like he's so squishy. He's so, he's so adorable. And the love is immense and the gratitude is immense. And then all of a sudden the despair, <laughs> the struggle, the tiredness, the exhaustion, the feeling of, there's truly for me anyway with motherhood, there's a lot of things that are hard, but for me, the hardest parts are when I'm torn, when I'm with him, but actually a part of me wants to do something else. Like today, I wanted to record this show. That's it. All day. I just wanted to record this podcast. That's all I wanted to do. So I'm in that room and I'm torn. I, I want to put him down. I want him to sleep by himself. I want this to work. So I have a little bit of space and a, I had a taste of freedom, right? I just, I want more of it and it's not working. And of course he feels that it's, that that's what I want. He senses with his entire being, which is so in, entwined with mine, that I'm actually trying to be somewhere else. I'm trying to do something different. I'm trying to leave, right? And for every nap that we go through, just from me having this idea that I am going to suddenly swing this, <laughs> this is all going to work out. He, he, he knows. He knows. And the more my longing to be elsewhere, the more that, you know, escalates, the more intensely he needs me, the more intensely he grabs a hold of me to the point of, I think it was like my third try, kind of trying to sneak away, like he's asleep. I do this thing now. Let's talk about sleep a little bit, because I know you are just by the edge of your seat waiting to find out about naps and sleep. <laughs> I I post about this stuff on Instagram, and I feel 50% like I'm doing the world a great favor, talking about how difficult motherhood can be, <laughs> just making sure that you know, we don't feel alone. <laughs> I, I just, whenever someone shares something very authentic about something being challenging around motherhood, I feel very seen and I want to give that back to the world. 
so that it doesn't look all glamorous or homesteady and organic and perfect like over here because it's totally not. It's really hard, right? So 50% just like I want to share that authentically with the world. And 50%, I feel like I feel like I shouldn't I shouldn't complain. I shouldn't talk about the fact that it's hard. And it also must be so incredibly boring. Like, have I ever shared more boring content ever than I am right now? I feel like I have to apologize. Sorry, here's another nap update for everyone on Instagram stories. Like, how boring must that be? Especially if you don't have kids, especially if you're not in that season of your life where you're dealing with naps. And even though the response I get from most of you is really beautiful, if you've had kids a while ago, you're like, I remember those days, you know, here's what worked for me or hang in there. And if you're in that season now, it's just so validating, right? To just, for me to read and hear that from you, that you're going through the same thing. And for you to see that I'm going through it, it's just this circle of women being mothers, right? Seeing each other and and being in it together. Like, I love it. But at the same time, I can't get over just like how, how boring this also is. <laughs> like I'm talking about my baby sleeping as if, as if it's, I don't know what to, what can I possibly compare it to? As if it's a Beyonce concert, <laughs> which is all everyone is sharing on the internet. Taylor Swift, Beyonce and Barbie. Like that's, that's what we have <laughs> right now. But the, the sleep thing is interesting because it's all there is. Like if you're a parent, if you're a mother, especially mothers, I know fathers deal with it in a different way. It's a different kind of struggle. But if you're a nursing, like breastfeeding mom and however you feed your baby, but if you're doing the breastfeeding on demand kind of thing where you have a baby on your nipples 24-7, like it's a lot once you start to figure out what sleep, how to do the sleep thing. And uh we have gone from in these three days from just being totally locked to this one thing. It was the only thing that worked. It just got worse and worse, less and less things worked where he didn't, you know, he doesn't fall asleep nursing anymore. He didn't want to be walked around the house, didn't want to be bounced on his shoulder. You couldn't dance with him or all the things that we were doing, like nothing was working anymore. Like nothing would put him to sleep except for sitting on the stupid Pilates ball. And eventually, when that's all that works, you start to do just that one thing, right? I mean, nothing else makes sense. Like, why would you go through the agony of having your baby cry while you do five, ten other things when you know all roads lead to the Pilates ball anyway? So you might as well just sit down on the damn ball. <laughs> that's kind of what we've been doing for the past couple of weeks. And it got so bad that the last days or last week leading up to me making this change, like I was on that ball for like eight hours a day. And if I stopped bouncing, he would wake up. So not only am I sitting on the Pilates ball with him strapped into this carrier on my chest, but I'm bouncing all day, just like destroying my lower back. I don't have a core, like I'm, I'm postpartum. I'm just trying to find my center again. It's not like I'm sitting there super fit, like I can, you know, work out on this ball and keep good posture and good alignment. And no, I'm like, I'm a jellyfish. <laughs> I, I have, I basically like, I have no spine. Like I'm just <laughs> wobbling on this ball, like bouncing into my lumbar spine. It's so bad <laughs> for, for the body. And I just had it. Like I just completely had it. 
we had friends over this weekend and I realized just this is insane that we are so locked to this. Like we have to branch out. We have to expand. What am I going to do? Am I going to like we're going on vacation in October. We're traveling. Like, am I going to bring the Pilates ball <laughs> on the plane? Like, what am I doing? I have to I have to branch out, you know, no matter how hard it is. So I just I just sat down with the baby and I told him, hey, we are going to sleep in a bed now in the day. We're going to sleep in a bed. I'm going to make it cozy. I'm going to be there with you. We're going to contact nap, but we're going to do it without the ball. I don't care how, like I'm totally fine carrying him around, walking him around, lying down would be amazing so I can get some rest. If he could sleep a little bit on his own, would it sounds like a magical unicorn in a fairyland because that was just not happening at all. But I really explain, like we're doing this thing now. It's going to be different and it's going to be it's going to be great. <laughs> bear with me, bear, okay? And somehow it just it just sort of worked. I don't know. Maybe he was also fed up with the ball, or or he just kind of felt my resolution in terms of like this is it. You know, we're doing it. So I started implementing a little nap routine, which is something I didn't have at all. I would just kind of, oh, he's tired. Okay, let's go. Let's go bounce. Like, let's let's put him to bed. Let's put him to sleep. I started implementing a routine, which I kind of thought he was too little for, but he's not. If you have a baby, like they're never too young for a little routine, even if it's a tiny thing and you do the same thing every time because it sets them up for it's a Pavlovian thing. Totally a Pavlovian thing. I remember with Leia, she had her pacifier and she had her lily, which was like a little blanket that she had. And the moment you gave her that little blanket, she would close her eyes. She would know like, okay, sleep is coming, <laughs> you know, or maybe you play a song or you sing a certain song or you do a few things in a certain order. And after a little while, they start to, they start to connect that with, okay, it's nap time. So they just sort of, accept like this is nap time you know and if you're doing it differently every single time or there's nothing that leads up to it then it's it's hard for their systems to like to understand where you're going so I started doing this thing where we're in the bedroom we we go inside and I say okay it's time for sleep and I close the blinds like we close the drapes together I give him his little bunny which is like a little bunny blanket thing that he has that he doesn't care about at all <laughs> he's like fuck this bunny <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> Obviously, he's he's 11 weeks. He can't like hold things properly. It's not like it's his special bunny. No, I'm making it his special bunny. <laughs> like, here, bear, here's bunny. You're going to be attached to bunny for the rest of your childhood years. Enjoy. <laughs> Just putting them together. <laughs> and then I put on the rain, which is his preferred white noise. It's like a Spotify playlist called Night Rain. It's actually very soothing, or it was before I heard it one million billion times. It was very soothing. Now it's just white noise. <laughs> but it's a good playlist if you like to listen to the rain. It's really, it's really good. Um, and then we sit back and I put the bunny kind of by his face and I nurse him a little bit. And then I put him on his belly next to me. So he's wide awake. Like I'm doing this, like not nursing him to sleep because he doesn't really do that. Very rarely does he fall asleep on the boob. And I put him on his belly and I'm, he's in my armpit and I'm kind of keeping him as close as I can, even though he's on his own. And then most days, okay, so this is day four. We had three successful days where he would just 
sort of understand like this sleep sleep is coming okay sleep is not a terrible thing sleep is fine mommy's here I feel her warmth like we're skin to skin even though he's by my side and not on top of me he would just kind of flow with that and then you know complain a little bit not cry because I said like I let him cry by my side like just complain a little bit turn his head side to side a million times but making these little noises like okay and then all of a sudden he would just sleep (laughs) and in the beginning the first times this happened I'm just in disbelief lying there like what what is happening okay and I can just lie there like I can contact nap next to him in bed which means I can listen to a podcast I can sleep next to him if I'm tired I can read a book like I can I can I can exist just lying comfortably in a bed Versus bouncing up and down on a ball, carrying him in the carrier, which was just murdering my my whole body. Like it was not working at all. I was so excited. And then one or two naps later, I'm like, maybe I can leave. Can I leave? Can I just, can I bounce? Like not bounce on the ball. Can I, can I bounce out of here? And I could. So we've had a few days now where I have literally... Like Dennis and I have had breakfast together alone, <laughs> sitting out in the sun, just like talking, <laughs> talking, having a conversation, husband and wife, like just, and not for long, like he would sleep an hour. He had one almost two hour nap on his own. Most of them have been like 45 minutes, kind of one sleep cycle. So if you didn't know, babies have a sleep cycle of around 40 minutes ish. And then they have to find a way to enter the next cycle or they wake up. Like if they always rouse a little bit at that time. So for instance, if you have a baby that uses a pacifier, pacifier has fallen out of their mouth. It's at the 40 minute mark that they will wake up, realize, oh, I I don't have my pacifier. And if they don't have it put back in their mouth, they will wake up and the nap is over. So you kind of have to like usher them into the next cycle in the beginning before they know how to soothe. Like if they have a thumb or a blankie or a pacifier or if they're in a stroller, that's the moment they're going to want the stroller like a, wagged a little bit. Wagged? Do you say wag? <laughs> no, you don't. You want the stroller? What do you call it? <laughs> I just did a very Swedish thing where I took a Swedish word and I thought I made it into an English word and it sounds insane. <laughs> A, a dog wags its tail. That's what wag means. In, in Swedish, we say vagga. It's like to, to rock. You rock the stroller, right? Right? Like how you rock a cradle. Anyway, it's 40 minutes. I learned all of this. Uh, we did a lot of sleep work when Leah was four months and had a massive sleep regression. There's multiple podcast episodes. This must be, so she's born in March. So July 2017. You can find podcast episode after podcast episode of me just crying into the mic. <laughs> I kid you not. I'm just, I'm just crying. There's a lot of episodes of me just crying. I just, that sleep regression was so insane. She woke up every 20 minutes all night for weeks and weeks and weeks on end. Like there was no sleep. And I had so much work and so much to do and we were traveling. It was it was a it was probably my lowest one of the lowest points of of motherhood ever was that time, and I started talking to this amazing woman who's a sleep expert, sleep consultant, sleep I don't know what you call it. Her name is Kim, and she's called the Sleep Lady. You can find her on Instagram. She's 
amazing. And we did some sessions together and I started learning about how newborn sleep actually works, like how the sleep cycles work, how to have really good sleep hygiene, how to set up routines, just how to, I got a lot of really good tips from her. And I had, you know, we figured it out with Leia and then she slept amazing, literally for the rest of her life, like from six months on until, I mean, she she slept through the night at six months until now. I mean, she's just, she, she was a great sleeper from that moment on. But I forgot everything we did. <laughs> it just wasn't in my mind this time around. I just figured like, we're gonna, we'll implement that eventually. Like, we'll get to that, but he's so little. And now I realized, okay, no, it's time. Like, he's almost three months old. So a few of the things that I learned from her that I'm doing now is one of the things is this little routine, like you have a nap routine. So the baby connects the routine with napping, right? And then napping in a dark, quiet place, which is so different from how most people do it. Like you take your baby everywhere. They're always in the stroller. It's daytime. It's outside. She, according to her and with Leia, this really was true. Like we are meant as as humans, we're meant to sleep in quiet, dark places. And the more we can create that for our babies, the easier it's going to be for them to settle into a deeper sleep for naps. So we're doing that. And then this circadian rhythm, which I've kind of been doing the whole time, it just makes sense naturally to me to do with a baby, making sure they have plenty of daylight in the day, that you're not just inside all day actual daylight, sunlight, daylight on their skin, in their eyes, like being outside so that their circadian rhythm can start to regulate with what's actually happening in the world, you know, with the sunrise and the sunset. So that there's a really clear difference between day and night. Really important. And then when nighttime comes to have a nighttime routine, a bedtime routine, that's a little bit more sizable than the nap routine where you do a couple of just bigger things. And that could be like a bath or a little baby massage. Maybe you read a book, even though they're tiny, you have that moment where you sit together and you read them a little book. You tell them a story, something, you know, more major. You put on the PJs. You have a little like extra special thing that you do when it's bedtime. So that's clear. Like this is now nighttime sleep, right? It's the sleep you stay asleep for, hopefully, <laughs> for as long as you can. And then when it's time to wake up in the morning, you do this thing that she calls this dramatic wake up where it's really daytime. So when they wake up, you know, you open the blinds, you bring in the daylight and you say, good morning, like it's the daytime now. We are awake. We are alive. Let's head out into the world. <laughs> so I started doing these things. What else? Yeah, the white noise also is helpful, but just these, they're not like massive, crazy things. But starting to implement them already now, I'm noticing a difference in him. I'm noticing him as soon as we walk into the room and the room is dark, he, he starts to rub his eyes, like he starts to get ready for sleep. Like He gets that we sleep here now. The ball is over. <laughs> the ball is out. I'm never getting back on that ball. I have to knock on wood now because I feel like just saying that is jinxing it. <laughs> so yesterday was just the best day ever of napping that we had. It was the first day that I felt like we have a little bit of a routine. I have my hands free a little bit more. I can spend more time with Leia. Dennis and I had breakfast outside. I took a meeting with my assistant to get like a full update of what's been happening as I've been on maternity leave. I, uh, I did some emails. Like I just, all of a sudden I had this feeling like, man, 
I am out of this immediate newborn bubble. Like I'm actually out there. I'm still at home. I'm still on maternity. Nothing has changed, but it was just my first little taste of a little bit of freedom, right? Tiny bit. And then somehow in my delusion state, thinking that this is going to last, we have figured it out now. I tell Dennis, like, yeah, you go spend the whole day away. And he doesn't have to be the whole day away. He does a lot of his work from home, which is how we've been navigating newborn time. And I was like, no, go have fun, enjoy. And halfway through the day, I'm like regretting it so much. And I don't want to tell him to come home. I don't want to guilt him. I don't want to say I can't manage like one single day. Come on. Like who, you know, I, I, I start to get a little bit just down on myself as well, because people do this as single mothers. People literally have to leave their babies at this age. Like Finn is almost three months. That's really common age to bring your kid to daycare so that you can go back to work full time. And here I am. All I'm trying to do is record a single podcast. <laughs> I mean, how simple is that? How simple should that be? And I just, I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't do it. <laughs> I couldn't do it. I, I don't know. Obviously, it's the kind of work that you can't do with a baby on your hip or baby in your arms. And uh, yeah, I did. This was just very, very poor planning on, on my behalf. But anyway, here I am. And I'm actually talking to you and I'm actually getting this off of my chest. And I, I imagine that what I'm sharing is for some reason what I'm meant to be talking about. And the version of Rachel you were supposed to get this week is this version of Rachel. Not perky, just worked out, think I'm going to have a great day, Rachel. So um, yeah, that is, that is what that is. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. So yeah, that is my, my little motherhood update of the week. Man, I, uh, I I know we've spoken about this a lot. I talked about it, I think, on the last podcast, maybe the week before. But this this idea of a village, <laughs> I uh, I feel it more intensely every single day. Every single day, I and I'm I'm really 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 happy we have this podcast as a forum. I'm really happy that social media exists. I, I, I sort of oscillate between hating social media, having a really hard time with it, and absolutely loving it, thanking it for so much. I, I, I'm in these two extremes of just, I find it a very challenging place to be and an amazing place to be at the same time. But especially these past few weeks, when I have gotten to share with you just the things that are hard and being mirrored in that and having you share your version of that with me, it's it's pretty much the main reason I haven't felt completely alone. And I wonder, like, I really wonder how many people are out there who feel utterly alone all the time. I know I'm in a crazy 
strange and blessed place just having a big following online and having a lot of people respond to what I share. And I'm just sitting with, you know, how many people feel alone and don't have that community. And and then this is just online, like online, we don't get to see each other. We're not holding hands. We're not hugging each other. We're feeling less alone, but it's still out there in the ether, right? It's still somewhere far away. And I think there are so many mothers and parents overall and people overall. I mean, this isn't just go for parenting and motherhood that feel really, really alone. And I, every day, (laughs) every day at some point of the day, I find myself visualizing what would it take to actually create that village? Because it's one thing to just talk about it or visualize it or, you know, think about how great that would be, but like actual in actuality, in practice, in logistically, like how, how do we go about that? Because I can keep doing this online thing forever. I have been doing it for what feels like forever. And it satisfies like a little bit of a need, but just, but it's just still just surface, right? It's, it's not, yeah, I, I want that. I want the village where when I'm overwhelmed, like there's someone there to hold me. I want the village that when I need to use my hands for something, there's someone there to hold the baby. I want the village where where I recognize that need in someone else. I am there to hold them and to hold their baby, where we have that reciprocity of just giving and receiving in a really natural way without it being transactional. Because I have that feeling so much that whenever someone comes by to help out, to me, it feels very transactional. Like it feels like I owe them, you know, even if it's just like my brother's here a lot, the babies, I mean, Finn and Leia, like he's their uncle. It's really family. He comes and visits and we cook and we eat and he'll go like play soccer with Leia for 30 minutes. Or if he picks her up from school one day, because we, we don't have the space, we need help with something. It takes a lot for me to ask him for help and say, Hey, can you please help me pick up Leia today? I'm not going to make it. I can't put Finn in the car. Like, you know, can you, could you help? Like, it takes a lot for me to ask, which is weird because I know he's really happy to, if he can, he will, like, he's really happy to, to do that. But I still feel, it feels like an ask. It doesn't feel like a natural thing where I just assume that that's going to be fine. And then when he does that, even though he has never asked of me, well, now I want something in return. He's never communicated that. And I don't think it's how he feels at all. I kind of feel like I owe him. (laughs) I kind of feel like, well, now I I should go a little bit above and beyond to provide something for him, right? To to be there in a bigger way because he helped me. And and this is just an example. Like, it's just an example of, of, of how I feel. Same with like my mother comes here sometimes and she'll take Finn and spend 45 minutes with Finn so I can be on my yoga mat or something. And then I feel immediately like I need to give something back to her. You know, how can I be of service to her in return? And of course, this is a natural thing that we want to receive service and be of service back. But the feeling I have is not this natural thing where we're all living in some kind of symbiosis and where we just have each other's back. And that's the natural thing. I really feel like all these moments are somehow transactional. I, I don't know. And I know it's because of how I grew up. I know it's because I grew up with this conditioned idea that I have to do everything by myself. 
that asking for help somehow is failing, that not being able to manage on your own is is failing, and having support in a way where it's just where you can just count on it, where you don't even have to ask, where support is just there. It's a very intimate thing that I did not grow up with at all. Like I grew up in a very, I grew up with a mom who was a single mom most of her life, like most of our lives, most of the time. I had my dad there, but he wasn't, we never lived with him. It wasn't, he wasn't present in the way that he's present for his young kids now. So my dad has three young kids. Uh, Leah has an aunt that's younger than her. And Leah has an aunt that she goes to the same school as, like they're in the same class, which is amazing. And he's really present with them. He's I see that for my little siblings. Like he's a great dad. He's the one taking them to karate class and soccer and, you know, there for all the recitals and all this stuff and driving them to and from school. And just he's he's very present. And I love that they are getting to receive that version of him. But I never got that. My brother never got that. Like he was in a different phase of his life then. He was not in this family, you know, fatherhood kind of place. So my mom was alone a lot of the time, most of the time. And somehow like she, she, she did this, right? She, she managed, she raised us. It was really hard. She was working full time, struggling to make ends meet. But I remember, I remember it being really isolating. Like I remember there was no village there. There was no you know, great big family or lots of people there to to kind of hold us or to hold her as she was navigating that really challenging time. I know my grandmother was there a lot. I remember being at my grandmother's house and both sides, like my dad's mom and my mom's mom. But for most of our lives growing up, like it was, it was just us, you know, it was, it was, that was it. And I always knew if I want to, if I need something, if I have a need, if I, if I need support, if something's not okay, like I had to kind of deal with that on my own. I never had that feeling that there's someone there that's just gonna envelop me and really truly hold me. Like I felt really alone for a lot of my childhood. So it's very hard as I grow up to not be that that version of a mother, right? It's ingrained in me. Like I do things on by myself. I, I do things on my own. I manage on my own. I'm independent. I don't need anybody. Asking for help is a little bit embarrassing. And it's better to not count on people, right? Because if I count on people and then one day they're not there, like that would be really scary. If I count on people and I arrange my life in a way where I need people, then when they abandon me or when they leave me or when they betray me or when they disappear or when they die, then I wouldn't be able to manage, right? So it's better to just not count on anyone and just do the thing by yourself. I'm sharing this very openly because, of course, my adult brain, my adult, the adult me, the mature me knows that that is not true, right? Knows that that is not how I want to live. Knows that, yes, I can ask for help. That, yes, if I ask for help, when I ask for help, oftentimes that that need is met, right? But because I live my life from this lens, I, that's, it's probably the reason I am not living in the village, It's not just that the village is lacking, the village is missing, it's not here, like it's partly that. We live in a society that isn't centered around community in that way. It's partly that. 
But I know people who create their tribes, who create their villages, who live in a way where they have that amount of people around them and everyone just has each other's backs. And they live in that version of a village, maybe not together all the time, but like they have that dynamic and so many people that they can rely on. And the reason I don't have that village is because I haven't lived my life in that way. I haven't lived my life looking out at the world, looking, how can I connect with you? How can I invite you in? How can I rely on you and you rely on me? I've lived most of my life from that, from that wounding of this is a harsh place to be. You know, you better, it's, you're better off managing on your own. You're better off doing this by yourself. You're better off not counting on anybody. And I think even just counting on Dennis, even just allowing myself to step into this big relationship where I'm really relying on him and he's relying on me and we're doing this together, like that was a huge step for me. It didn't come naturally to me to, to live in that kind of intimacy. You know, it's my whole life. It's, it's just easier to be, for me to be by myself. And I'm realizing now as I have two kids and I'm looking at this the way I want to mother, you know, the way I want to sustainably mother into the future, the way I want to live my life is I don't want to be alone anymore. I don't want to be alone anymore. I don't want to do this alone anymore. I don't want it to be a transactional thing when, when I ask for help. I don't want to pay someone to watch my kids so that I can go to a podcast. Like I don't, I don't want to live in that way where you no, like I want to be in the center of a community where, where you live differently, where you have another kind of closeness and another kind of togetherness. And just because I've identified that as a longing doesn't mean I've figured out how to logistically make it happen. Like I truly don't know how to make it happen. And I'm playing around with these ideas of like, what if we would, what if we would buy more land like here where we live and kind of invite people to take part in that people who have who look at the world in a similar way that we do or who have the same kind of longings for community and who want to live closely to the land the way we want to live with the land like is there a way I don't know what if it's actually possible to create something something that feels more like village like community not just in the dream world but in reality as well I just I envision something absolutely possible where we school together and farm together and live together and get to sit around a fire together and be in circle. And it somehow sounds both utopian and so basic at the same time. I, uh, I think I'm not alone in this longing. All I know and the big truth that I'm really holding is I can't do it by myself. I can't do any of this by myself. I need help. I need help. I need help. Saying that, I feel like I need to make it a mantra and say it until it doesn't make me uncomfortable anymore. Because I know I, I, I don't want to live this isolated life. I want to live in togetherness. And I think you do too. And somewhere in all of this is a way to actually make that into a reality. And I don't know, perhaps speaking these words out loud right now in this little motherhood, crazy day, everything is beautiful and difficult all at once, little update, you know, maybe landing here with this ask, with this question, with this 
contemplation, maybe that's where I was supposed to end up because perhaps one of you listens to this right now and goes, yes, I'm in, let's go. (laughs) And we create something. I don't know. I hear my little one crying upstairs. I'm going to go feed him and lie down in this dark room with him and look at his little face and stroke his little head and just love on him so much. (laughs) Being a mother, it's just, it's it's, it's magical. In all of this, in all of the things that are hard, it's just so magical all throughout, all the time. It's wild. Thank you for being here with me. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you for continuing to listen, even when it's erratic, even when it's boring, even when it's mundane and when it's amazing and hard and difficult. You're just here with me. So thank you for that. I'll be back next week. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. If you enjoy the show, make sure you listen, rate, review, and follow all episodes of From the Heart with Rachel Brayton. This was a presentation of Cadence 13 Studio, and I'll see you next week.